C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. We come to you today with a special, the specialist, the most special of Friendship Podcast. Yes, mostly because I might be dying of the Spanish flu yeah, and this might Maddie's be our last ever episode. Everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I have an undisclosed virus, so if I sound weird, that's why. Yeah, and yet Maddie is still showing up to record. Yes. A plus co-hosting right there. And I'm wearing a MeUndies onesie. You can't tell. The listeners certainly can't tell, but it's very comfortable. (laughs) It looks very... I need one of those. It's great. I've worn it for the past two days. It's really kept me company as I've been home from work. So Awesome. Have you slept in it and worn it all day? Um, No, I slept in like real pajamas and then around like noon I took a shower and put this on like both days. Mm -hmm. So I love it. It's not as trashy as... I made it sound yeah. like it is. I don't know why I had to like exactly find out how trashy it was, but I did. That's good. Um, all right. Well, shall we jump into some housekeeping items? Let's do it. Listeners, pay attention. So you may have noticed that we took down the Patreon. And took down the Patreon. We want to say thank you for all our past and current subscribers. Your support is awesome. Um, but... We're going with some different strategies for monetization, so maybe at some point in the future we'll bring it back. But for now, it's no longer functional. Um, But if you don't already support other uh, creators on Patreon, do go check it out because it's a really awesome place to get exclusive content. And that's a big reason why we took it down was because we um, have enough content that we're producing every week just uh, with this podcast. Uh, So we did not really, you know, we felt like we weren't really Getting our money's Making worth. It. Yeah. Making getting our money's worth. Our worth. Time. You were getting your money's worth. Um, so yeah. anyway, so like Maddie said, uh, we will maybe bring it back in the future. But for now, that's down. Uh, if you are a current patron and you're like, I'm confused, uh, feel free to reach out to us um, at hello at campadulthood.com. Uh, but your card should not be charged at all going forward. Yes. But if you do want to support us, we are doing a listener survey. Um, very exciting. It's all over the social media like we've talked about it the past couple episodes we've had a little plug about it but it's all over those links and bios you can dm us or email us at that same email and we can send it right to you but we really appreciate it both to get feedback on the content and anything that maybe you want to say anonymously to us that's a great place it's a great way to support the podcast for free and we're exploring other monetization strategies including uh approaching potential advertisers and so this is a good way to kind of see who's listening from a demographic perspective and then we also have a prize if you want to go into that show yes so we're putting together a delightful uh 
swag opportunity uh, for anyone who does feel comfortable giving their email address when they fill out the survey. And if you don't feel comfortable, but you'd like to be included, um, just shoot us an email and say like, hey, I, I filled out the survey, but I did it anonymously. I'd like to be included. Um, so this beautiful swag is going to include uh, Camp Adulthood branded stickers, some Camp Adulthood pens. It's going to include a lovely uh, beauty counter product, uh, if you'll remember from our episode with Cassie. So a free uh, product for you to try. Uh, if you're a gentleman and you're like, I don't want that crap, that's cool. Just let us know and we'll provide you with something else. Um, and I think that was all. Yeah. Although we're also ordering new t-shirts, so we can totally throw in one of those yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say we're in the process of kind of picking out which t-shirts we want but at some point in the future there will, will be new swags available and if you want to be kind of the first to see that you definitely want to participate in the listener survey prize and then the last thing is obviously you should be following us on the social media at camp underscore adulthood that's where we announce a lot of the stuff and it's fun and exciting but another great way to support us is to please leave a review um, wherever you listen to the podcast, we've recently gone to some new platforms like Stitcher and Spotify that also have some like rating systems and stuff. But iTunes is obviously the the Mac daddy of all of them. So if you want to go above and beyond, do it on all of them. Great. Or you can choose your preferred platform or just do it on iTunes. But um, we really appreciate it. They're super fun. We got a couple this week, which was very exciting. So thank you to the people um, that did them this week. Um, but yeah. It's a great, great free way, and it lets other people kind of know what the podcast is about, and potentially, you know, once we have enough of them, the iTunes algorithm will put us on the charts, and then more people will listen. It'll be very exciting. Woo-hoo! Yes, so thank you. And those, I mean, again, just to underscore what Maddie said, those reviews for our podcast or any podcast that you listen to really does uh, make a difference in our listenership. So please, please review us and other podcasts that you love. Basically, now we sound like uh, NPR uh was it called Pledge Week? Like the telethon? I know. Well, yeah, I, pretty much. We were talking off air, but it's like we don't usually say the plugs up front or we haven't in a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to have a little housekeeping session, get the new listeners on board Love. with the yeah. plan. Okay. Great. Review, subscribe. <laughs> yes. Okay. We have an exciting email an exciting that we received email. from an anonymous mom. An anonymous mom. Uh, Maddie, would you like me to read it? Since um, I'm sure. That would, be, that would be great. Dramatic reader. All yes. right. And this Uh, is in relation to the episode with Jackson, the youth, that came out about a month ago, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. All right. Hold on. It's loading. Technical difficulties because I was clearly not prepared. Um, All right. Here we are. Episode 76 and foul language. I love this podcast and the host. So I offer this comment with the best of intentions. In this episode, you allowed the guest, a teenager, to manipulate you into renaming foul language into flowery language. I am no prude, but the F-bombs in every other sentence for nearly an hour and defense of the word cunt made me cringe. I truly feel sorry for this young lad. No professor or employer will tolerate this language or his position on being able to say whatever vulgar thing he wants, even if delivered with the intention of being expressive or humorous. Accommodating his dislike of the word foul and renaming it flowery lessened the integrity of the show. I suggest you give the guest an option down the road to delete a podcast when he realizes this podcast episode should be taken down. Love you, a mom. 
Great. I don't know if you have any comments to start, Shay. Well, I mean, I feel, you know, I had a lot of feelings when we received this, um, you know, this feedback. Um, and I and I thought it was, to an extent, sorry, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I had so many feelings about it, and they are all <laughs> popping back in my head as we speak. That's okay. So I guess part of it, you know, I just want to kind of give a little background story without going in too much to Jackson's personal uh, life. Uh, But, you know, this was something that we talked about with Jackson and with his mom. Um, And it wasn't like we just had him come on the podcast and say whatever fool things he wanted and then put it out there. You know, Jackson language is really important to Jackson and, um, it was really important to us that he have a platform where he could feel like he could speak freely and uncensored. And is it necessarily something that we, you know, agreed with everything that he said or his use of all that language? No, but we do really believe in um, allowing, you know, in a certain amount of freedom um, of speech, for lack of a better term, on this platform. And it, it did really help to create a fuller view of this young man. Yeah, I think all that's fair. And I think, um, you know, to address some of the the finer points outside of who Jackson is specifically, mm-hmm. and we can cut this if you don't want it disclosed or Jackson and his mom don't either, but Jackson has some like ADHD type issues too that were expressed. And I think it's good to like bring awareness to that because I think a lot of young people suffer from it. And I think that there was a lot of that, especially towards the end of the episode, that I think if he had been allowed to gather his thoughts a little bit, it might not have been so caustic. But the other parts of the email um, that she had kind of addressed towards you and I that we kind of let the guest manipulate us a little bit, if that's Mm -hmm. for lack of a better phrase, um, that's something that I've definitely struggled with just to like break the fourth wall with the pod because I kind of take the approach of like, the best thing about doing the podcast is that we get to talk to people who are different from us. They get to share their perspective. You get to learn a lot. And part of that is getting them a little bit of space and not turning everything into a confrontation. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a tendency and I don't, I, I've definitely seen it in past episodes. I don't think it's just the Jackson episode where for myself, I've listened back and I'm like, Oh, I could have pushed this guest a little farther. We kind of, were silent when they said something that we didn't agree with. And like, there's always a time and a place, but I think to your point, like these people are coming on the podcast, they're giving up their time. They're giving up a certain sense of anonymity, even if we don't put their last name on and stuff that, you know, we want to kind of give them that respect and not turn everything into like a, and the podcast is also only an hour. So you're just getting this small little taste and we don't always have time to like nitpick everything And I'll say it, like, Jackson was a challenging guest just to get him on topic and stuff like that, like, was a challenge. Um, But, yeah, I I definitely agree with what the emailer said that, you know, if I had to do it over again, like, you know, probably I would have said some stuff differently as a host and as an interviewer, for sure. Um, And then the other point that she made, like, yes, obviously, if a guest, especially a minor, wanted to take an episode down or edit it further, like, we would, of course, do that. Like, we only did this because he agreed to it. And the episode was edited, as is all of our episodes. So, like, this is what we felt comfortable putting out there. Um, 
but yeah, abs- absolutely. Like if he gets older or he realizes like I said some stuff, maybe I regret, like we would of course do that as we would for any guest. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with what she said, like what the criticism of us, I think is a note that I'll take to heart, but mm-hmm. I also agree with what you said that we've talked a lot on this podcast about censorship and we can't police or turn every guest into an argument with that Mm -hmm. being said I think there are some times when we can be a little bit more firm the other thing too that I think with Jackson's episode and you and I were kind of texting a little bit about this like I've had a a couple instances since this episode has come out both personally and a book that I was reading where I'll go into where I think a lot like if you can get past the the foul language which I totally agree like even there were even parts of it like you were texting me like I totally like mirror who I'm talking to and there were parts Mm -hmm. of that episode where like I started cursing because he was cursing too which like Mm -hmm. whatever do I regret it that much no was it like the best thing I've ever done no but I think Jackson is endemic of a Gen Z phenomenon that I have seen in this book that I'm reading about the Parkland students by Dave Cullen Mm -hmm. who wrote that book about Columbine that we talked about back in the day um and it's a really, really good book, and it focuses less on the shooting and more around the personalities of the Parkland activists, which I really wanted to read it because I didn't know a lot about them. And they are a little bit younger than me, not that much younger, but they're like 18, 19 now. And mm-hmm. they said a lot of the same things. And Dave Cullen is a writer. I really like him because he's a excellent reporter, but he also kind of breaks the fourth wall and is like, while I was giving this interview, this is what was going on. And this is the conversation we had. And so he kind of does that. And I really like it. And he was kind of taken aback as like a 50 something middle aged man. He's like, I'm doing a a professional interview for a book. And he also wrote a series of articles for the New York Times and all this stuff. And these kids were like, dropping the F bomb left and right. They were using what he considered to be like, inappropriate language. They weren't super professional. They were like, kind of flaky with some of their like, interview times and tactics and he's like if I was interviewing an adult like I would not put up with this and he kind of struggled with it of like how much leeway do you give these kids when you're the adult and you're like hey this is not professional but at the same time they're an interview subject and I just found that to be really fascinating and I definitely felt a little empathy about like I I felt I could understand where he was coming from Mm -hmm. but at the same time like a lot of these kids were they, they they acknowledge it's not like they're ignorant to the fact that they're like using bad language or like being disrespectful to adults they're doing it on purpose because they're kind of going for this shock value because they don't feel heard mm-hmm. and I got that yeah. a little bit from Jackson too where like he's so desperate to be heard that it his only tactic is to be kind of bombastic and over the top and I saw it in the parking yeah. kids too as well Yeah, I think that you make two well there are two interesting points here first of all I think we even someone who's your age, Maddie, and as you said, you're not that much older than Jackson and these Gen Zs and these Parkland kids. Um, but they're growing up in a world that is a thousand times louder than even the world you grew up in. Yeah. So just to be, you know, heard, and it's not just in an online space, right? Because the people who are in your day-to-day life are also distracted by all of this. And again, it's not just social media or whatever it's the usual things it's the fact that there's so much going on in the world and we have 
everyone has more pulls on their time than we have in the past. So it's no wonder that these kids are screaming and shouting and, and using whatever language they feel like they need to use um, to be heard. And also because they're exposed to so much more and because their world is so loud, they're also desensitized to it. Like yeah. to me, when I was 16 or 17, the idea of saying, you know, fuck would have like, you know, I devastated me. I felt right. bad when I said like, damn it, you know? Um, and again, I was, yes, I was t- kind of a goody two shoes, but I wasn't that much of a goody two shoes. Um, and I think, you know, even when I was a little bit older, I mean, when I was well into my twenties, I, uh, I talked about this before where I had to give a paper at a conference in Boston. I mean, this is when I was doing my master's and, you know, the word cunt came up in the course of my paper in an academic context. And when I realized I had to like read that in front of a group of people, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I did it because it was important, but you know, I remember I was blushing and it was like, Ooh, but, um, you know, that all being said, you know, this is, I, I think this is why these kids again, use this language. Um, but the other point that I wanted to make that I think we sometimes forget especially when talking with young people um, of today, because they are so well-educated, even just, you know, they're much better citizens of the world than we were, or I think than future or than past generations were at 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, We forget that they're kids, right? And that they have to learn these skills and that skills like showing up on time, dressing appropriately, speaking articulately, not using foul language to be heard. These are things that have to be taught. And if we resent them for doing these things and blame it on them being young, millennial or Gen Z or whatever, then nobody's going to learn. And we have to take the time. You know, I think there was nothing would have been nothing wrong with David Cullen saying like, hey, dude, like I'm totally into what you have to say, but you got to show up on time and you got to be wearing pants. Like, yeah, (laughs) I think these are minimal expectations and they have to be taught these things and we have to have a good reason for why as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's definitely empathy could be had from both sides, because I think like there are kids that exceed expectations. And especially if you were a good parent whose kids exceeded expectations, it's really easy to like be judgmental about it. So I think older people, to your point being more understanding of the fact that they they're trying to act like adults but they're still kids and how do we have that conversation without being condescending but then also kids need to realize also that it's unacceptable and yes they can get a little leeway when they're 16 but like the leeway shortly goes out the window too well and I think Maddie it's really interesting because you were sharing and incident that happened with a young woman that you mentor over the weekend. Oh, yeah. I was going to share that next. Oh, then I will let you share it. But I think that really fits well into this conversation. It it does. And I was thinking about what I wanted to say with this episode. And I was reading this book. And I was like, it's definitely, you know, not to make too many sweeping generalizations. But I think this is the benefit of keeping Jackson's episode up there and having this further conversation. Because I think just as a snapshot, yes, Jackson's episode is like shocking and we didn't really get to have these deep conversations that I wish we could, which is why we're doing it now. But I am an advisor for a Kappa chapter and it's an Ivy League school. The girls are really smart. And there was an instance where they were going to a conference that Shay had been to the same conference at a different location earlier. And I get a call. I was not at the conference. I get a call from another person who was there at the conference. From another adult. From another adult. 
um, another alum, and she was like, your vice president standards, which, by the way, the standards chair is supposed to be like the utmost. They're the ones that it's kind of like judiciary slash like sisterhood. They're the ones that are supposed to uphold the rules the most. And the moral standards as well. Yes. Yes. And they were like, your VPS was trashing Kappa. This is like a direct quote. Was trashing Kappa and talking ill of the breakfast speaker. Which Shay said the breakfast speaker was lovely. She was a foot. I mean, I, you know, it's so funny to hear this because I came back from this conference and it was a transformative moment for me. Um, So I found the speaker. Now, I will say, did I think the speaker was necessarily saying anything earth shattering? No, but I think it was her presentation and her curation of materials that was just so powerful, as well as, you know, her own story. Yeah. So, so anyways, she was great. I'm like, whatever. I have not seen The Breakfast Speaker. I I talked to this other woman and I'm like, okay, I'm going to address it with them because this conference is going to go on for two more days. So I email the VPS and the president who was also there and I wrote a very nice email. I was like, hey, this is what I heard. I wanted to come straight to you regardless of if it's true or how you felt, this is how it was perceived and you're representing not just yourself, but your chapter, your school, blah, blah, blah. So you have to, you know, be mindful. And I was like, listen, no one is saying you have to like everything, but like there's a time and a place. There will be a feedback form. If you didn't like it, you can talk about it with your bestie, not in mixed company, but like at a breakfast table with alums from other schools, like maybe just don't do that. And she responded like an hour later, and the first sentence of her email was, I'm sorry, my words were taken out of context, and then proceeded to write like a paragraph with no paragraph breaks, just like a page of text, a wall of text. And she was probably sending it from her phone. Say, Yeah, probably. Saying why the breakfast speaker was terrible. And it was very like pointed, like I, it was very like pointed language of like, this woman doesn't understand the struggles of like being a woman like your confidence is stripped away the moment you're born female like it was a lot of like boom 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 and I was like girl I have not seen this speech nor do I care I don't care if it was the worst speech you've ever seen totally not the point and so it was like that for a wall of text and then at the bottom she was like I definitely like this definitely doesn't reflect my kappa values but I felt like the speaker didn't reflect kappa values and I hope that it's better next time so there was no like feeling of remorse or like understanding the bigger picture or even what my email was about and it was just like this academic debate that she wanted to have about why this woman who was speaking about her own experience of confidence was like erasing other women's perspectives for to someone who had not even seen it like totally Mm -hmm. inappropriate and so I wrote her an email back and I was like we can talk about this more when you get back from this conference but like you're completely missing the point of what I was trying to say and I don't really have an opinion on the speaker because I didn't see it but mm-hmm. again feedback form venting to your bestie this is what I would recommend and it was yeah. just like I've just seen it so many times and I think it's particularly endemic at this school and I think it is an Ivy League thing but I've seen it at NYU too with the younger mm-hmm. students I have as well yeah. and where it's just like any point of criticism is like well you're not listening to me you're not giving me a platform. You're not giving me a voice. You're erasing my experience. And it's like, whoa. Like, sometimes you just have to shut up and, like, listen to the adult and, like, understand that there's other factors at play. And I think there was a little bit of that in Jackson's episode two to the emailer's point of, like, sometimes kids are ridiculous and you have to call them out and you have to, like, not put up with bullshit. And I have had to deal with it yeah. in Capiland a lot of, like, actually, no, this did cross the line and you're not understanding because 
you're a kid and you have to learn as the adult how to say that without being condescending and rude to them. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I I think it's definitely a Gen Z thing because to your point, Mm -hmm. they're so, they're exposed to so much stuff. They're so worldly. They're seeing things on the internet. They're highly educated that they feel like they can have an adult conversation just on merit alone, just because they Mm -hmm. have good points to make without understanding tone or context or the relationship between you as the advisor and them as the active. Like it's just totally lost on them as a generation at this point, I think. Yeah, For the most part. Exactly. Obviously, that's a generalization, yeah. but. I completely agree with you. Um, you know, and I think in general, I think what's really interesting, too, given that um, I believe since the woman who wrote in was a mom, uh, that she's perhaps a baby boomer. I think baby boomer and Gen Zs are both more of a black and white um, generation. And I think it's because they both you know, there was strife. They've had to kind of come of age, um, you know, boomers with, I mean, they came clearly after the war and then with Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. You kind of have all of that that I think makes them a little bit more black and white. And then Gen Z also, you know, they're coming, they're growing up in an age that's really polarized and you can't be surprised when that comes out in the You way also that have to look to, I completely agree with that. You also have to look at who's raising them. Like, boomers were raised by the greatest generation who for mm-hmm. the most part didn't really take a lot of we're guff awesome. yeah. yeah like they're like whatever like take your potatoes and cry about it i don't know <laughs> but like gen z is being raised predominantly by gen x who mm-hmm. we've talked about in past episodes had their own issues they're labeled the apathy generation they're the first yeah. you know they were raised by the first generation of parents that were getting divorced so to me it's like you have to look at the parents too and kind of Agreed. attack that but yeah i think yeah. the person that emailed made a lot of good points and i'm glad that we kind Agreed. of flushed this out a little bit more and i think there's mm-hmm. things to think about on both sides and i hope the gen z's that are listening take something away from this and maybe the people that are a little older to have that little bit more leeway and i'm happy that they emailed so that it sparked this conversation so if you want to yeah. email about anything hello at campadulta.com we love it. Yeah, please, please do. We really do take all these emails um, to heart. And I think almost every single one we've gotten, we've addressed. So please continue to write in. So next. Yes. Next Maddie on the agenda. And I, yes. We, another continuation of a conversation we had in a previous mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. So Maddie and I had, I wouldn't even call it our first bit of conflict, but <laughs> we had a little bit of. Um, a tiff. We'll call it a tiff. A tiff. A tiff. Not a personal friction. tip. A disagreement um, after Cassie's episode, uh, which aired last week. And for if you haven't listened to it yet, Cassie's episode was a really interesting discussion of two things. Um, and the first was uh, the beauty industry and the personal care product industry and how it's basically disgusting. And everything you use and you buy, even if it says all natural or chemical free or whatever, is full of like crap. So you really have to be careful about what you put on in and around your body. Um, And the second half of that was about her experience with a company called Beauty Counter. And uh, part of Beauty Counters, um, they sell all clean products and they also have an advocacy base. They're B Corps. They're very very much advocacy based. 
sorry, totally lost my train of thought. Uh, part of, uh, so part of what uh, Cassie was talking about was her experience as a beauty counter consultant and beauty counter, as I already said, blah, 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 does all of that. Sorry, Maddie, you can edit this all That's out okay. later. Um, uh, but beauty counter has a three prong sales approach. And one of those prongs is direct sales, um, which has been called uh, multi-level marketing, although I don't necessarily know if it would yeah, be I don't know what the direct. Case. Yeah, I don't know. They what the say that they're are, not but... an MLM. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Maddie and I had some conflict because I, you know, I've been circling this drain for a little while. I've been using Beauty Counter in my personal life for about three or four months. Um, and, you know, now that I live in Portland and I'm all crunchy and granola, um, I'm really getting serious about switching out a lot of products in my home. I'm just trying to use less harmful chemicals. I'm trying to use a ton less plastic. Um, and really that conversation with Cassie put me over the edge. And I decided, I was like, you know what, if I can get a good discount, get a few people on the clean product board, fine, I'll work with Beauty Counter as an independent consultant. Um, Maddie was also inspired by Cassie's, um, our conversation with Cassie. But when I told her this, her reaction was kind of like, that's great, but I would never ever buy anything from a company that has any direct sales aspect to it whatsoever. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and that is, I will let Maddie jump in here. Sure. Her side of the story. Yeah. So we, um, well, first I want to apologize because I think as I'm learning more about my Enneagram, um, <gasps> type eight, I was just listening yes. to Rachel and Dave Hollis had an expert on. I was just listening to it before we started recording. Um, but one of the hallmarks of being an Enneagram eight is that your most ready emotion is anger. Not that I was angry at all, but like mm-hmm. emotional knee jerk reactions. And I've noticed it a lot in my personal life recently, both like at home and like at work and I think this was an example of it where like if I had waited 24 hours to respond to that email I think the sentiment would have been the same but the tone would have been different and what I chose to say and what I chose to leave out would have been different so I apologize if that email caused you strife but we've worked kind of the journey that I have come to with this and I will say that like if we I've been thinking about it since I don't know when we emailed when we talked to Cassie it was like two or three weeks ago at this point but like if we had recorded this follow-up like two days ago versus five days ago versus 10 days ago I think it would have been a completely different conversation every time and even Mm -hmm. like the more I think about it with myself I'm like I I go through waves of like this is the worst company ever to like this is the best company now I want to be a consultant like I just don't Mm -hmm. even know how I feel about it but this is maybe we can work through it together so okay, let's do it. At first, this is what I do for my whole job. So let's bring great, it. amazing. So at first, like you and I were kind of texting, and this was when you first were buying it from Brienne, and you were Correct. like, "Oh my god, I love Brienne, former guest of the pod, love her." We were like talking about that, and you were like, "Oh my god, love the product, but like it has this direct sales component." And I think you and I were both kind of like, mm, "Interesting," yeah. and that's yeah. when you were like, "We should interview Cassie, who's like a big wig." Mm-hmm. in the beauty counter world and we were mm-hmm. like great yeah and I remember during that text conversation and I don't mean to say this to call you out or anything because you're totally entitled to change Jesus. your mind yeah. but I remember during that conversation you said I'm going to be a loyal customer but I would never sell it so that's kind of the yes. f- mind frame which you can talk about your journey yeah I with do want to talk well. about it because I think it's important but yeah. I want you to go on um so that's kind of the mind frame of going into the interview and then I'll say like 
the interview was great. I definitely, as you said, was inspired. Like I've been using the environmental working group app that she so talked about. Yeah, yeah, I've thrown out a bunch of crap and I've done a lot of research, swapping stuff out, whatever. So like most of the episode, like looking back on it, was about that. Like the advocacy, the mm-hmm. swapping stuff out. Like she had really good advice about like deodorant to use and stuff like that. We only really talked about the actual company like mm-hmm. the episode was kind of long but i think like we only really talked about it definitely like the advocacy the advocacy stuff and the clean beauty was more of the episode than talking about like her experience as a consultant and like yeah, the business side of it so i wish we had talked about it a little bit more so i came out of that interview being like she's super inspiring she's obviously a phenomenal person and she was being totally genuine like i don't think she was like putting on a facade or like trying to be salesy with us or anything like I think she's a completely genuine person and so I came out of that and I was like why am I like so inspired by what she said but still like I have all these things that if we had a three hour long podcast I would have asked her but like you know it's always good to do Mm -hmm. independent research too obviously like you know she is on the inside so like we have to take what she says with a grain of salt and so I like I did research and coming from like a finance and business background it's like everything that I could tell about the business side of beauty counter was focused on how much the average consultant makes which is great Mm -hmm. they published that and like what are the perks of like being a consultant Mm -hmm. the only thing I could tell in terms of like financials was like a Forbes article that said that they don't spend any money on traditional marketing which makes sense a Mm -hmm. lot of companies don't spend money on traditional marketing yeah and I was like it just like just looking at the financials of how much the average consultant makes it's not that much someone like Cassie who's in the less than one percent so like you know Mm -hmm. us little people are not gonna be doing that anytime soon but like she's coming at it from such a unique perspective there's so few people like her in beauty counter that it's like what is the average consultant making and then everything that beauty counter has put out there that's like this is our business model is like talking about the advocacy side and more of the stuff that cassie was saying and i was like yes but how much of your revenue goes to consultants how much actually goes to advocacy they don't publish that so like who knows and to me when i was researching it at that time, right after the interview, it was like, I was like, I feel like they're just swapping out. And again, this is nothing about the product. The product works. It's definitely not a pyramid scheme. It's not fraudulent or anything. Like, the product mm-hmm. is real and people love it. It gets great reviews. So, like, if you want to buy the product, go for it. But from a business perspective, I'm like, if you, as a company, you have to think about the reasons why they're doing things. And I'm like, if you were, wouldn't you want to publish something in an article or on your website about how great this company is financially like anytime I'm looking for a new job I always look for that information so if Mm -hmm. I was a new consultant a new consultant I would want to make sure this company is not going to go bankrupt they're not spending just Mm -hmm. the minimum amount of money on advocacy and the more I thought about it I was like I feel like they're just swapping out the crews for you get a trip to DC to be an unpaid Mm -hmm. lobbyist and that, like, rubbed me the wrong way. And even the video that Cassie sent us today that I watched, it was, like, which we'll post, it was talking about, like, the beauty counter business model. And it didn't talk about any business things at all. It just said, it reiterated the point of, like, we have these three channels, and one of them is consultants, 
and here's how much money they make on average. So I was like, there's a reason why they're hammering this point home and they don't want us to look at this other side. So that that was my frame of reference. So I was talking to some other friends about it. I brought it up like over and over again. And everyone that I was talking to, like out in the world, you know, obviously mm-hmm. this is not a representative sample, was like, yeah, I don't know. Like some people took, that I talked to took like a very hard stance and they were like, mm-hmm. no direct sales, no MLM. If I even get a whiff that someone on my Instagram is selling it, I mute them instantly. And I was like, well, that's like a little extreme, but like, yeah, that's the peril that you face. Um, and then some people were like, yeah, if the product works, like who really cares? Yeah. Um, so to me, it's it's not about the product. It's not about the fact that it's being sold by consultants. It's the fact that they're not transparent and they set these like idealistic things of like, yes, everyone wants to be the girl that's like trying to make a difference, but it's like out of however many thousands of consultants, one of them is going to win the trip to D.C. And she probably had to sell $200,000 worth of this stuff to get that prize. Like, it just, it's still the same, like, grimy direct sales stuff that I didn't like. So that was, like, two weeks ago. And then I've been thinking about it more, and I'm like, but the product is so good. And I'm like, they're definitely just, because I know, because just from business school and stuff, like, they're able to get away with giving people 25 to 35% returns, the consultants, Mm -hmm. because they don't have to spend money on marketing. Mm -hmm. And they're relying on the consultants to put their own relationships and their own, like, talking about the product on the line for that. And so, again, those are, like, the things that I struggle with. And I don't really, to be honest, like, I don't really know how I fall because I do agree, like, Beauty Counter has had tangible results. I just don't feel like I have enough information and then I start getting into the whole mental spiral of like well what about all the other evil corporations not that beauty counter is not evil but like you know what I mean it's like well I use Facebook it's like you know what I mean it's like why am I being so hard on this one thing when it's really not that bad but then it's also like but you know whatever it's like there's only so much space in my brain to think about it so I don't know it's like am I being too harsh but then it's also like you're allowed to have a principle on something especially as a business person like if I wanted to work for this company, even as like not a consultant, even if I wanted to work at Beauty Counter headquarters, there's nothing that would signify to me that's available, that it's like profitable and how much money is going through each channel they don't publish. So like, I don't know. I guess my big thing is, I don't know. So I'd love to hear from you. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's really interesting and it's really awesome to like, hear your thought process because I think that's really important and I think there are just so many times that we first of all I think it's so funny you know we're so we so always want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right and I think that's what happens when you with anything if you say like I'm never going to eat cheese again but then you find out that like cow's cheese makes you sick but sheep's cheese doesn't make you sick you know so I think that there is you know there's a lot going on here and there's a lot to unpack um so let me kind of tell let me start by kind of telling my story um this is what and why I'm okay with doing this and why I really stand behind my own choice. Um, So first of all, I definitely, when we first talked about it and when I first started using the product, I was like, man, I love this. And 
it's coming to me at a point in my life where I'm looking for things to be easy. Um, so if I can know I can go to one website that's reasonably priced and have it delivered to my door in two days, I'm like, yes, yes, done, done, check and check. Um, and you know, again, it was becoming important to me to make these changes in my personal life. So that happened and I started using the products and I was like, wow, this stuff is really great. It works. Um, you know, I don't, claim and would never claim that there's any kind of like major change in my skin, but it's, you know, it's like about the same, but I also know I'm not like filling my body with crap. So, you know, I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, their mascara sucks. I'm just going to say it right here. I cannot. (laughs) Is this the one you posted about today that you were like, you have to heat it up in a cup of water? Yeah. And the only reason I didn't say on my Instagram, like this mascara sucks is not because I was trying to be like fake about it, but because I really still in my heart have hope that I'm going to be able to figure out a way to make it work. So I'm actually ordering. Um, Part of the problem is that they're um, the brush is very flimsy. So I'm like, I'm going to order like a sturdier brush and hopefully that will help. And if it's still, if I still don't like it, then I'm totally going to talk about how like I gave it a good try, but this is a choice that I'm going to make. Yeah, Yeah. it's not my fave. Um, So, you know, whatever. And then I found that, like, I was talking about this product a lot, you know. Um, I was talking about and I was recommending it to people and people were really excited about it. And I was kind of like, and I was like, oh, go shop with Brienne, go shop with Brienne. And then I was like, are you dumb? Like, (laughs) Why are you sending people to go shop with Brienne? I mean, granted, I love Brienne and I want her to make all the monies, but like, you know, if someone's buying, yeah, a it's $20... like if you're doing the work, it goes back. I think, yeah, it's like we're both kind of right. It's like if you're doing yeah. the work on your your personal life and your Instagram to yeah. promote it, like, yes, you should be making the money off of that. Exactly. And so the way that <clears throat> I'm treating it, and I think this is different, and I think this is why I'm okay with working with Beauty Counter. First of all, I knew all these people that were working with Beauty Counter and not a one of them had ever come to me and sent me one of those god-awful form Facebook messages that's like, would you like to join my team? (laughs) I'm a sheep. Like, and these were women that could have totally asked me that and I probably, you know, and I would have been, I would have said no, you know, and I probably actually would have turned me off. But first of all, no one approached me about selling it. It was a decision I came to because I realized I was sending I was basically letting income, even if it was a small amount, you know, go down the river. So I felt like I was like, you know what, this is just something that I'm like, I can use as an affiliate link. If I make 150 bucks a month, like, you know, whatever, that's 150 bucks a month. That's my cell phone and a, a tank of gas. And that's worth it to me. Um, and I think if somebody is looking into a direct sales company, and this is something we talked about. I'll have to find the episode and link it. We talked about that wonderful article. I believe it was in the Atlantic about Lula Rowe. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, what is problematic to me. Um, a company like Lula Rowe requires you to buy stock, house stock, and the quality is crap. Yeah. That is what's problematic. I don't have to, I paid, I think it's, I paid $69, $79 to sign up for six months as a consultant. Um, I didn't have to buy anything. Uh, I didn't have to, I don't have to buy any stock. I don't have to do 
you know, I got a few samples that were part of that $79, but if I didn't want to spend another cent on it, and if I just wanted to enjoy my 25% discount for the next six months while I switch out my own personal care products, I could totally do that. And at the end of six months, I go to Brienne and Cassie cause I'm on their team and I'd be like, Hey, this isn't for me. And they'd be like, great, no problem. You know? And at the end of the day, I would have gotten my discount and it would be fine. So I think it's really, again, it's this throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And if you say all direct sales are bad, um, yeah, I think a lot of them are bad. I think a lot of them are playing with really yucky business practices. Do I think beauty counter, do I think beauty counter is no. And that's because I've been in their back end. I've seen it. I've seen what the requirements are and it's really no skin off my back. And for me, I was like, you know what, if I'm throwing away income, um, that's stupid, you know, for, so yeah. for me, it was a no brainer on that sense. But again, I'll probably talk about it maybe once a month on my Instagram, just as part of the lifestyle things that I talk about as part of building my brand, uh, for my professional work, uh, because people like to see that crap mm -hmm. about your, in your house. And, you know, and I think Cassie talked about this, you know, if you are putting yourself out there as a quote unquote public figure, you can talk about all these great things, but people are still going to ask you like, where'd you get that dress mm -hmm. and what color lipstick is that? So it's like, you know, to me, it's like no harm, no foul, but I'm also not interested in building a team. I'm using it as an affiliate link and there are other aff affiliate type links that I'm going to use. And honestly, again, I'm not going to feel bad about making a couple cents or a couple dollars off of things that I'm recommending highly where it gets to yeah. be problematic is when people are doing this and whether it's through direct sales or it's through affiliate links, it's when people are doing this for products that they don't use products that are detrimental or products that have poor business practices. And I feel like anything that I'm recommending is not going to do that. So that's my line in the sand. And it's something that I'm going to be talking about um, again on kind of my business platforms. Um, so definitely tune in for that, but, um, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where I am. You know, I'm like, it's a, pro I just, I'm not taking it that seriously and not in a bad way. Um, no, but it's true. And you're, you're totally like entitled to it. And it seems like yeah. the things that I care about are not high on your priority list, which is totally fine. Like the things that I, just, I was looking for that weren't there. Yeah. Like if I was looking to be a consultant or to buy the product, like they weren't there for me and that's fine but you had enough things checked off your list that it was there for yeah. you and that's great yeah. it just wasn't there for me and I think the thing was and then again this is I not to send Maddie in a spiral and next thing we know Maddie's like living in a yurt because she can't use any part of American capitalism but I mean when you said like you wouldn't buy from anyone I was like why wouldn't you buy a good product like that was a little harsh and I was like you know, all of these other companies that we buy from Amazon, one of them have questionable business practices. No, it's like, true. And, and that's something that I admitted for sure. Yeah. So I think it's just something to think about. Um, but I guess my like closing thought, and we'll see when I listen back to this, if I was anywhere near as articulate as I wanted to be, is if there's a company that you like, they have a direct sales component, you're interested in it, just do your research. And if they treat their consultants shittily if they feel like they're not transparent or the product is crap don't sell it and don't buy it like I mean at the end of the day and across the board we should all be being more aware of where all of our products are coming from yeah totally and, and that's, what all of these companies are doing that's the biggest thing with Cassie's episode like it it definitely made a positive change in my life and for whatever reason and yeah I think your criticism is totally 
fair of me. Like, there's so many companies that are probably worse than Beauty Counter. It's just something about the direct sales just because it's so, like, having the consultant aspect is so, like, prominent in your mind. And that maybe that's a failing on my part, probably is, um, that I'm not more open-minded to it. But I think your story, like, it makes total sense for you. And I know that you're not a huge dummy that's going to get duped into, like, wanting to build a team and make it into this big thing. And, like, Cassie is super, super successful. And she's someone that, like, many would aspire to be. But, like, her level of success in Beauty Counter is, like, not easily achievable. And I think, like, we're all on the same well, page about that. And that's not why you're yeah, doing it, you know? Exactly. And I think that's the thing, too. And and again, because I've just been doing it on the side with these all these other projects, you know, I, I don't really know how they talk to if they promise kind of these big things. I haven't seen that come across in the materials that the many, many, many emails they send. Um, I have not seen yeah. it come across that way in any of the emails that I've been getting. But I can see that if you were like, not as educated, you know, didn't know what to look for, you may you would maybe sign up thinking you could make all this right. money when you can't when you probably can't be a Cassie. Yeah. But again, if you want to make a couple hundred bucks here and there, I think that's totally reasonable. And I think it's a great way to talk about a good product. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fine. I just mostly and again, I regret the tone of that email. But it was mostly I said that because I was like, I don't want to my little Enneagram eight. Well, that and I was just like, not that you would do this. But I was like, I just want to make it clear up front that I don't want to buy it. And like, Maybe And again, we talked about it afterwards because I was like, oh, like I was doing all this research on the sunscreen and I was like, their sunscreen's so good. So like, yes, if I do come around to like wanting to support Beauty Counter, like I would go through you because I love you. And I think everyone that is interested in Beauty Counter should buy through you. But like, I'm just not there yet. And it might be like people are listening to this and they might be like, well, you're making a line in the stand that's stupid. And like, you're not being a supportive friend to like you and Brienne and Cassie. But like... That's, I but just again, can't get over the ickiness. We have to right make now. choices about where we spend our money. And if yeah. you right now feel like you can't spend with a company, any company that has direct sales as part of their platform, that's okay. And that's your call to make that. And I will respect it. Um, and again, I think we all make these, I mean, there are certain things that. We all have our right to change our mind. Like a month from now, I might be like, oh, my God, I'm going to try it. I have a feeling you might be like, it's summer. Fuck, I need some sunscreen that's not going to kill me. Right, and like you changed your mind about it. It's just like right now from like the things that concern me about it, like no one's been able to tell me a good answer, probably because it's a private company and they don't disclose it, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think it's probably fine. (laughs) It's just like, I think the things that I care about, the other consultants and the company is so focused on other things that are so positive, they're not focusing on, like, my questions. And maybe I'm the only one asking them, and I'm just well, blowing it out of the water. But, you know, you know, and I would love, you know, I know we, not not just Cassie and Brienne, but we have a couple other um, listeners who do also work with Beauty Counter, and we'd love to hear from you um, and get your thoughts. Yeah, and course, definitely. Cassie, um, we'd love to hear from you again as well. So hello at campadulthood.com. Uh, please, if you can answer some of Maddie's questions, let us know. And, um, again, these direct sales companies are such a big part of millennial life that we yeah, will totally talk about them. Yeah. And I think it's um, also too just to put a bow on this, like yes, the I fact that like you were talking about those like icky Facebook emails, I've actually never received one of them. So oh, my, God, I've like a thousand, my exposure to direct sales company is like very, very limited. So I think that might also be why like part of the reason why I have such a negative reaction. 
but That's I think really like I don't know anyone at home like I don't know anyone personally like maybe one girl that I know from college that I can think of that sells it but like no one in New York and I think it is a very like suburban thing and so I think yeah. it's also part of like community building like now you get you get to be friends with all these women and you have your team and it's like a thing like that that like maybe I don't need at this point in my life now but maybe later on I'll find it more appealing you know what I mean yeah no I totally agree and I um yeah I mean I think it's just all really fascinating and it's something that we have to be aware of I I mean yeah I think I'm just gonna let that be the bow and let's move (laughs) on to the practice tent great I have the questions (laughs) up oh great do you want me to read the first one um, I, yes, Do you have... where, where, sorry, I just also have it up because I like to read a lot. Yes. <laughs> okay, the one that we're on. on, do you ever yearn for your life before Facebook? Very timely since we were talking about yucky Facebook messages. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like, oh, this is a hard one. I mean, I got Facebook when I was a junior in college, you know, we've talked about this before, um, so yeah do I ever want to be like 16 and like living my idyllic life in rural Pennsylvania like yeah but also no like my life is very full and beautiful and I've had a lot of rich experiences and I I wouldn't want to erase any of that yeah I also think out of all the social media Facebook is the easiest one to give up like I have a couple friends Mm -hmm. that don't use it at all and it's mostly just like an algorithm nightmare at this point so I don't really care. Like, I still use it, and it's, like, whatever. But if it went away tomorrow, I wouldn't be upset. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting how I took this question. I was, like, my literal life as a 16-year-old, not just life without Facebook. Well, I was so young. Um, I was, like, in eighth grade. So I'm, like, what was I even doing before Facebook? Like, I don't even know. Oh, totally. Totally. Well, I think the other thing, too, just a quick note about social media is, because I'm kind of on a platform about this right now, is that uh, think about your social media as a entertainment and B as a tool and not as like this thing that we just do repetitively and we don't know why we're doing it because I really made this like shift um, where I'm not going to do the mindless scrolling of any of it and I'm going to use mostly Facebook and Instagram as a tool for my business and as a form of entertainment so like if I'd spend a half hour watching a TV show I'll spend a half hour watching dog videos on Instagram and I found that like allotting myself that time and looking forward to it has made it kind and I'm not saying that I don't ever just scroll because I totally do but like I'm really trying to not do that and it's really changed my relationship with social media and it's made it something that makes me feel good and excited and like enjoy it so give it a try yeah I think that's good just being more mindful in general um the next question do you have a morning ritual you go oh sorry um, well, I was just reading as a preview, I finished reading Rachel Hollis's new book, which Ooh. hasn't come out yet, but there was this big controversy because Barnes and Noble put the copies out before they were supposed to. And so I happened to buy it, but like, it doesn't come out until March 5th. So I feel lucky that I've already read it. Um, but definitely, a fuck up on Barnes and Noble's part, but, um, she goes through her morning routine and that's like one of her big things like the second book is more tangible things that you can do and so she's like establish a morning routine and hers is like it's like kind of basic but it's like get up do like five minutes of meditation have a smoothie get my kids off to school blah 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 it's like nothing groundbreaking um I have a morning routine 
it's not a good one. Like, I basically just get up and then go to work and, like, my work has coffee and, like, breakfast and I just kind of, like, yeah. do that. So, like, I literally wake up, like, 20 minutes before I have to leave the house. That's which, awesome. like, I probably shouldn't do that because yeah. it's a little chaotic, but, like, that's what it is, so. Well, for me, it's so funny because I've... So, this is something that I... This is just so interesting to talk about this because I feel like it's something that I'm working on right now. And I think developing this morning ritual and figuring out what my life looks like as someone with a partner versus a single person has been really interesting. Um, but you know, what I've realized, um, there are two things. First of all, my morning ritual really starts the night before. Um, because if I wake up and go downstairs and the coffee hasn't been pre-made and the kitchen is a mess, then that's the first thing I do. And then I get into this, like, if you give a mouse a cookie situation where I'm like, oh, now that I did the dishes, I'm going to mop the floor. Now that I mop, although David's going to listen to this and then like, <laughs> be like, when the fuck do you <laughs> mop the floor? Because <laughs> I refuse to clean floors. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to go and scroll mindlessly on Instagram because I'm late having my coffee. And then before I know it, it's like 10 o'clock. So I find that, like, when I can wake up, I'm also like, I don't believe in like getting ready to come work from home. I know some people are like really into that. I'm like, fuck that. Excuse my language. Clearly Jackson is influencing me. So, you know, but it allows me to have this routine because I have that evening ritual of, you know, every evening I do the dishes because I love doing dishes. Um, I make my coffee for the next morning and then I put on uh, the diffuser. So I do that all after dinner and then I, David and I usually read or watch TV or whatever. Um, and that's kind of my closing ritual. So in the morning I wake up, you know, I like brush my teeth. I go downstairs. Um, I let, the dog out usually duke first and then benson depends on that but i start the um coffee uh and then my coffee is ready i've done the dogs like the kitchen is clean and then as soon as david leaves for work at 7 45 or 8 i go right into my work day um and then i you know i that's kind of some of my most productive time. So it's um, it's become more and more important. But there's a book I'd love to recommend. Um, it's actually a really dumb book, uh, but it has some good hints in it. And it's called The Miracle Morning. And when I read it, I was like, this is so dumb. But I love the concept if you can distill it down. And he has basically um, six things that he does every morning. And it's like, write, read meditate visualize exercise and something else yeah it's I true like it. something like 95 percent of like yeah. like really highly successful people like do a ton of shit in the morning but here's the thing is i also really feel like that whole like you have to wake up at four o'clock is part of that culture of hustle which i'm just well yeah not no, you definitely in. don't have to do that but it's like there's a reason it's like it's like yeah. energy feeds energy. It's like once yeah. you're like highly productive, then it's like you want well, to, you're not going to have this like wasted time. Exactly. So you're going to use it. Like if you have 10 minutes in your day, you can like take a short walk or like do this stuff. And like, mm -hmm. there's just less like lazy time, you know? Yeah. And I feel like the point of this book is that like, hey, like even if you can only devote 15 minutes to this in the morning, then at least you've kind of checked these things off the list. So like yeah. say you don't get time to exercise, well, at least you did six sun salutations or like whatever in the morning. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. I like that. Do you want right, to read I the next one? The next one. Yes. Okay. 
do you have any habits you wish you could erase? Hmm. I'm sure I do. Hmm. Talking about sleeping, I feel like I sleep a lot, but that's not really like a habit. Like I don't really know how to sleeping is the that. best. Don't hate on the yeah. sleep. Yeah. Um. I drink a lot of soda, like a lot. So that's I a bad was habit. I always a little shocked at your soda. Yeah. <laughs> like all um, the time, every day. Yeah. I'm gonna die at some point, but for now it's good. <laughs> yeah. Now you'll be fine. Uh, do I have any habits I wish I could erase? Um. You know, it's so funny because I think as I've been going on my Enneagram journey, a lot of things that I thought were like bad habits or like flaws I've really learned are just kind of part of my personality type and who I am. Um, so I'm trying to like flip them so they actually become positive things in my life because I'm very woo-woo like that now, I guess, apparently. Um If I had a bad habit, I'm, I'm like looking, I'm like looking around the room as if I would be inspired. Um, I feel like there's always like a food or like, I mean, I think the, the Instagram is a good one that you're actively trying to break yeah. like mindless scrolling. Yeah. I think just, um, yeah, I think anything that I do without thinking about it, uh, I'm really trying to stop doing that. Um, but like, I don't really, Yeah. That's good that know. nothing sticks out. It. Yeah. You... I'm a little bit of a slob. I would I would like to work <laughs> on that. Like I'm not a slob slob, but like just have a lot of clutter. I just there's more clutter and I'm like how do I even have this much clutter cuz I've Marie Kondoed the shit out of everything so I don't get it. And I think it's right now because I don't have like enough shelving space, yeah. but um I'd like to work on that. There we go. That's good. Should we do so, one more? Do you want to read it? Let's do it. Madeline, do you have any irrational fears? Yes. Okay, what is it? I'm afraid of food that sat too long in the refrigerator, which I know you love to clean out the refrigerator. So this is a difference between you and I. I hate it. I can't. If it's been in there for like more than a day, I can't like throw it away or touch it or do anything. That is so funny. Um, So I have like three stories for this question. (laughs) So the first is that's so funny because David is the same way. and (laughs) It's good you're together. It's good we're together. I love cleaning out the fridge, but he also is like, like uh, we were putting together a snack box for his daughters. David also hates, is afraid of food in the refrigerator or food that's been left out. So um, we were putting together a lunchbox for his daughter and she was like, can I have those chicken nuggets left over for lunch? And I was like, sure, dude, whatever. That's great. Eat the leftovers. And David was like, those will not last until uh, four o'clock or whatever. And I was like, I don't know, like my mom used to like send me to school with like a yogurt in a bag and it was fine like we didn't have any ice <laughs> a yogurt bags, in a bag. <laughs> yeah like I don't understand so like and she has like an insulated lunchbox and I was like okay well I'll put a like an ice pack in there with it and he was still like very suspicious but I am happy to report that uh the little one s did not uh die of any uh yeah Salmonella, I'm definitely also, not like, that bad. It's mostly just like if something's in a Tupperware, yeah. I will not yeah. clean out the Tupperware. Yeah. So I love cleaning out Tupperware. Seriously, it's like my favorite activity. Um, my personal irrational fear is I, 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 and I don't even think it's irrational because they're dangerous, is I really, 
really hate snakes. Okay, mm. no, actually, I have an irrational fear. Sorry, screw the snake thing. That is a very irrational fear. Um, I'm very afraid of driving in a car behind a log truck. That's a very Oregon-specific fear. <laughs> well, it's actually because when I was very, very little, um, and my dad will know the story, we were actually just talking about it. We were going uh, up to visit my aunt in Buffalo, and to go from where I lived in Western PA to Buffalo, you could either take the highway, which was boring, or you could take this really beautiful back road. Um, actually, and back then, God, was the highway even completed? I don't even know. <laughs> so we were like driving up on the back road, and again, I was really little. I was like five or six. And uh, my dad, who is a physician, uh, he we came across an accident. And what had happened was a log had rolled off of a log truck and squished a couple that were in oh a my car. God. So my dad is like little five-year-old Shay. He's like, you stand by this tree. <laughs> I'm going to go be – and he was the first responder. We were like right there when it happened. Um, so I like had to stand by the tree while my dad went and he tells some like kind of very gross stories of that day. And he had to like help the paramedics because they hadn't seen something like that before and all of that. And then, you know, because my dad is so – I mean – He's a really cool dude, and I really – I love you, Pop. Um, he, like, he fixed these people up, and then we got the car, and we, like, continued oh on God. our way. Um, he, yeah, walks are dangerous. It was so cool. Yeah, so I have – till this day, I, haven't, I, I will not – like, if I'm on a highway, especially if I'm on two-lane road and the log truck is in front of me, I will do whatever it is within my power to pass it, or I will pull over and wait till it gets, like – far, far enough ahead of me and if i'm on the highway i will always pass them. i will go like 90 to pass a log truck which is probably unsafe have you ever um, seen manchester by the sea no does that happen in that movie no do you want me to spoil it for you yeah it came out like two years ago it's a really yeah. really really depressing movie yeah that's why i didn't see it um but basically like the big depressing thing that happens is this guy has a log he has like a fire going in his house and you know how they have like the shield that you're supposed to put over if you have a fireplace he, like, didn't put the shield over, so the log that was on fire rolled out of the fireplace while he was, he was like, out at the store, and, like, his wife and two kids were in the house, and then the wife gets out, but the two kids get burned in the house, and that's, like, God. the tragic thing that is the basis for that movie. It's very sad, but logs, watching that. that's the only log-related thing that I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's very traumatic. <laughs> Very traumatic. Um, can I tell a story about a friend's irrational fear? Because it sure. makes me laugh. Sure. So my friend Brian has a fear of murderers hiding behind shower curtains. Like, <laughs> so, has he seen the movie Psycho one too many apparently, times? Apparently, I guess. So whenever he goes to like a hotel or somebody's home, and I've seen him do this. Um, <laughs> he does it and he does it very like subtly because he doesn't want to be weird. He'll like pull it back and he'll like check to make sure nobody is behind the shower curtain. <laughs> So like a real jackass once um, I had gone, this is when he was living in LA and I was moving to LA and my friends, Michelle and Krista, Krista, former guest of the pod, um, we all drove out to California together, but we didn't tell Brian that Krista and Michelle were coming. Um, but we knew about this fear. So we all met up at my dad's house and I like went out and greeted Brian and I had Michelle and Krista hide behind <laughs> the shower. Was curtain. he so afraid? And then he opened it up and they were like, surprise, he 
almost shit himself. It was hysterical. It was like the best and only practical joke I've ever pulled in my whole life. And it was top notch. Oh my God. So, That's really funny. Yes. What a great note to end on, I think. Yeah. So um, just to end, uh, again, follow us on social meds uh, at camp underscore adulthood. Uh, make sure to take the listener survey and enter to win some swag. And then finally, please join us next week when we will speak with esteemed guest uh, Joy Lou of the Financial Gym. Very excited for that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about all types of money stuff affecting millennials, which is important because as uh, uh, Mrs. Yergi told us today, millennials have $1 trillion of debt. Crazy. Yikes. Yikes. All All right. right. Thank you, campers. We love you. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com. And you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber. And there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp.